tēnā tātou e te iwi, nau mai hoki mai ki te kōnai i porangi a Māori in Engineering, ko tēnei te hōtaka te te kaumā ono. Welcome back to another episode of the Māori in Engineering podcast. This is episode 16 uh, with Edomia Tapsel, ko Elise Lasset tōku ingoa. As always, my name is Elise Lasset, your host for the Māori in Engineering podcast. Uh, this episode we chat with Edomia Tapsel, who is a structural engineer, He's working at Bura Hapold in Hong Kong, which is pretty darn cool, I reckon. Um, we've taken the perspective on this episode to talk about the opportunities that can come with being an engineer, uh, and most probably um, obvious one is working overseas as an engineer, so we delve into that. We also delve into his life, how he's done, what he's done, why he does what he does, um, and you'll notice a step-by-step approach of explaining his life um kind of going through education pathways and career pathways and things like that so i hope you enjoy it um that way of explaining and what that way of storytelling as well what i reckon is really cool in this episode is the fact that he takes a really realistic approach to things um and especially one of his gold nuggets that i found when speaking with him uh, was the vocado on that we are always learning um so we speak on about that as well also, don't forget that you can follow along on the Instagram, Māori underscore in underscore engineering dot pod, and access the podcast on the website to Māori dash in dash engineering dot com. So all variations of Māori and engineering in some way or another kind of is how um, the platforms have been working, which is really straightforward to me. So hope that's useful in some way. Um, Hi, and if you do like this episode, please remember to give it a five star if you enjoy it. And also, you can get in touch with me via the website about things that you would like to hear more of as well. Always, always, always keen to hear feedback, keen to hear for Kaoru on how you're finding the episodes because this is your space. Hoi anō, enjoy e te iwi, nō reira tēnā tātou. Mieno e tau au. Takatakate hau ki te uru, takatakate hau ki te tonga. Kia mā kina kina ki uta, kia mā tara tara ki tai. E hi aki ana, ti atakura, hi tio, hi huka, hi hauhu, ti hei mauri ora. Kia ora, kia ora Edomia, how are you doing? Kia ora Elise, good thank you. Um, no, very good, very good. Awesome, thank you for joining me. Uh, yep, likewise. Um, yeah, it's... um. Currently, it's if I know it's like a Wednesday, 4 p.m. after I think both of us have um, worked from home set up. Uh, you are currently in the country, which is awesome. Sadly, we couldn't do this in person, um, but yeah, we'll make do. And I'm very excited to chat with you. So yeah, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on. Cool. Alrighty. Cool. Why que ifor? Cool. Ko Edomia, aho. Um, uh, ko Tapsil, uh, te whana. Uh, no, no makitu, aho. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's me, uh, Edomia Tapsil, um, hailing from Makitu in the Bay of Plenty. Awesome. And you grew up in Makitu? Yes, yeah. So I grew up, um, yeah, I grew up on a, on a dairy farm in, in Makitu. Um, I was yeah there for first uh, eighteen years of my life or so. Yep. And your upbringing, what was that like? Do you have a what's your Fano makeup like? What's all what's all that like in that um, small question? I know. 
yeah yeah no so i um so i was i was lucky enough to to grow up with a a pretty big big family um i'm the youngest of, of five siblings um i have three older brothers and older sister um so i was yeah lucky enough to see uh see a good example set by them and um sort of try and try and follow in their footsteps um yeah as i said before i grew up on a on a dairy farm um well run by my by my father for for many years um and yeah all in all it was a it was a pretty idyllic um classic kiwi upbringing really um had about uh 450 cows uh it was you know a short drive down the road to the beach um it was always fresh <laughs> fruit and veggies um grown by mum in the in the veggie garden um and always yeah plenty of plenty of meat to go around so um no it was it was an awesome awesome uh childhood i guess yeah awesome did you ever get roped into helping on the dairy farm i did yep yep yeah. um yep so i guess uh i get well i suppose well a lot of my a lot of my friends from uh nearby were also um also dairy farmers so they probably had mm -hmm. similar um upbringings but i guess yeah. um you know when some of my some of my other friends had after school jobs um doing whatever um working retail or uh helping on building sites or whatever um yeah i was roped into helping on the farm um which okay. is you know at the at the time you probably don't appreciate it um but um but you know looking looking back it was it was yeah it was, it was great as a kid to get in the get in the um cow shed and put cups on cows and milk them and um help dad with fencing and driving tractors and stuff that no, was it was it was cool it was cool but yeah certainly certainly probably didn't appreciate it as much as I could have at the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah no for sure for sure I feel as though the idea like I know as a teenager getting up what is it like 4 30 I always hear 4 30 yeah. like milking it's that does not sound like the most appealing thing at the time um <laughs> but you can yeah. understand like yeah. back how it's valuable but yeah 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 my my uh my dad was usually pretty good to me he didn't make me do it uh before before school so that would have been a bit rough but no, no he, was, he was pretty he's pretty generous yeah no, cool um so you spent 18 years in Makatu and then where did you venture off to yeah so I um yep so I well yeah 18 years in Makatu um but I went to high school in Tauranga um mm -hmm. at Bethlehem College uh, so I spent a lot of time in Tauranga as well, um, and that's yeah. Um, and then from there, I went to uh, Christchurch um, to study engineering at the University of Canterbury. Um, yeah. And I was, I was I was lucky enough that um, that uh, some of my good friends from from Bethlehem um, also went down to Christchurch at the same time as me, um, which was yeah really good as a as an impressionable young 17 year old um going into, <laughs> yeah. the, into the big lights of Christchurch <laughs> yeah they, they had you back somewhat mm. yeah yeah no nah, cool yeah. so and then so studied engineering obviously you're on the modern engineering yeah. podcast it's um a probable yeah. answer <laughs> yeah cool so what made you want to study engineering yeah so I guess um well the a few things that I kind of I probably only realize now looking back um what 
um, what sort of led me down that path. Um, at the time, um, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess I was kind of, you know, nudged in that particular direction by, um, like maths teachers and physics teachers, um, that sort of said like, you know, you're decent enough, um, in this sort of area. Um, would you consider going into, into medicine or engineering or, um, yeah, those are probably the two, the two big ones. Um, and at the time I remember not particularly enjoying, um, being in hospitals. Um, <laughs> so that was probably one of the big factors that, um, made me choose engineering instead. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, yeah, that, um, and also my, my oldest brother, um, is an architect um and so when so he's he's 18 years older than me um so yeah when i was at high school you know he was well into his um, professional career um so i got a bit of a taste of what what his career was like um you know designing massive buildings and um yeah all, all sorts of different well structures i guess but from the yeah. from the architecture side not the um not the engineering side um he also did a bit, a bit of work on our our family home at the time, so oh. um, that probably, yeah, I probably saw a bit of a bit of that work there, and um, thought it'd be thought it'd be quite cool. Um, and I guess the other the other one would um, be just growing up on a farm and seeing, um, you know, all the all the engineering, technical engineering that goes into some of the things that are used on the farm, um, tractors and cow sheds and, um, you know moving earth and um things like that and having to you know design and think of all the all the technical stuff that goes into that um so well i suppose all those things kind of contributed to um leading me down that path yeah yeah absolutely um so you mentioned teachers kind of nudged you um into engineering was do you think mm. um like something that's come through with a lot of the manuhiri that are come on is that there yeah. are sometimes a few teachers that have are the one supporter um going into engineering mm. or often for me it was actually my physics teacher and for a lot of other people it was like maths and physics teacher do you think mm. that um oh like do you I suppose you've kind of said it here that there was a part to play um but support mm. from like a mentor type person do you think that that's valuable mm. to a lot of other like is that do you have that as quite valuable now? Yeah, yeah. I would say that's I'd say that's massively important, especially for mm. um, you know, especially for teenagers trying to understand what they want to go into. Um mm. I guess I guess for me, um, I can't really I can't really pick out one particular person um that was mm -hmm. kind of that mentor for me. Um but yeah, I guess yeah, alluding to um what I said before, like I suppose my my oldest brother was a was an influence. Um, my well, both my both my parents, my entire family really um, were, mm -hmm. were massively supportive of um, of everything I did. So that kind of gave me a lot of confidence um, yeah. to, to to pick a path and, and go with it. Um, but yeah, but also alongside that, there were yeah. Um, I remember my my physics teacher um, in year twelve, um, and I've completely blanked on her name now <laughs> um but uh but yeah she um yeah she was she was a, like 
a really helpful um in getting me through uh physics at high school but but mm. also you know just kind of intru introducing me to um the types of things that engineers work on um which is probably another important thing um being um i i would say i'd say when i was at school i probably didn't really understand what a lot of engineers did mm. um uh which is probably not uncommon um and i think yeah being being told the the types of things that you could do with engineering um you know building bridges um designing factories that kind of thing um and sort of being introduced to the actual real world applications of that by some of those teachers was quite useful yeah absolutely so say that there's a high school student listening and is what is kind of in the same position that you were in um where you're not mm. too sure what engineering does um yeah what that means what would be your answer to them uh in, in terms of what's so what what does an engineer do yeah that, that's that a much yeah. simpler question yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um obviously it depends on what what kind of engineer but um i guess the well the well i'll make a i'll make a general statement and then i'll kind of um make it a little bit more towards what i'm um yeah. what i know um i guess yeah this the short of it for me is engineers solve practical problems for society um that would be my my best answer um and i guess looking back previously those practical problems were often um you know physical problems um to do with the, the built environment in society um which kind of draws a lot of people into engineering to start with i think is mm. the fact that they're able to you know especially structural and civil engineering um you're able to design something and then see it come to life and see the benefit um for people um but i mean that extends to all types of engineering um now software engineering electrical engineering um but yeah that that whole idea of solving problems for society's benefit um i think mm. has to be at the the heart of 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 being an engineer um and then as an engineer you yeah you're in charge of solving technical problems um you know making sure a bridge stands up making sure um a piece of software works um as intended uh so yeah that's that's probably my my best answer to that question yeah no awesome answer i totally yeah 100% agree with that. That's awesome. Um, cool. Okay. Now, sorry. Now we're at UC. We're at um, yeah. University of Canterbury. What was your experience yeah. studying like and what helped you along the way while you were there? Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah. Firstly, firstly, my, my family, again, were like super supportive. Um, and I always had a good, a good support network through them. Um, they would come down and visit um, quite frequently. Um, and then also, you know, going down with a group of, a group of friends from high school was, was also super useful. Um, my first two years at uh, UC, I was at College House, um, one of the halls of residence down there, um, which, was, which was really good. Um, and I made lots of new friends there um, and had a good support network through them as well. Um, there was a good network of kind of um, older 
like second year students and tutors um, and the faculty there were, were really good. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that, that formed a big part of my support network. Um, yeah. What made you want to... Um, oh, sorry. Uh, what yeah, made you want to yeah. stay on for the second year at College House? Um, well, I guess there's um, probably a couple of things. Um, one, most people did. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so typically people would stay for the two years. Um, so, like, all of my, all my friends were kind of staying <laughs> for mm -hmm. the second year. So uh, I didn't have anyone to play with. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks, so, so easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then also, um, it, it, yeah, it was, there was also a bit of a draw card just seeing the, the first year students come through um, and um, being able to kind of be a part of their first year experience um, at, at university um, mm. was quite, you know, it was something I looked forward to and it was, and it was really good. Um, I was, I ended up being like sports rep at College House that year. So um, got to get involved with all the, all the um, uh, university sports and stuff, which was, which was quite cool as well. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Um, and so did you know in first year, so yeah, University Academy is a little bit different where there's that one intermediate year um, in comparison yeah. to the University of Auckland um, where, yeah. yeah, you just kind of go in with a pool of other people. Um, did you know, uh, sorry, pool of other people from all, like no one has a discipline really, so you don't go in studying mm. civil engineering, electrical, yeah. such and such. Um, did you know that you wanted to do civil engineering in first year? Oh, at the start of first year? Uh, no, no, I didn't really at all. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that intermediate year was very, well, it was, re it was really useful for me um, because, yeah, I didn't know. Um, and it kind of gave you an opportunity to get a, a taste of a lot of different disciplines. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I sort of, uh, yeah, it was, it was probably a toss up between mechanical um, chem process and in civil um yeah and yeah it wasn't really till the end of the year um that I kind of decided to go into civil um but yeah it was a it was a really, really useful useful year I think yeah no definitely and what was it about civil that um you that um raised my as a final decision yeah yeah uh I think the I think the main draw card for me was uh just like wanting to be able to see, um, yeah, visibly see the the impact of um, of you know my my work um, and yeah, uh, I guess uh, how to say it. Um, <laughs> I quite like I, yeah, I quite like the idea of um, being able to be involved in um, like building infrastructure for for people um building buildings and then you know being able to being able to actually to look at it and know that i had a part of it um yeah was, yeah was actually quite important yeah absolutely funny you say that i am um, because in my grad role as a water engineer i'm doing a lot of pipe infrastructure and i kind of had the yeah. same idea about like getting into engineering to see what you designed yeah. and help build or maintain and i've literally chosen probably <laughs> like the thing that you can't see at all um I was yeah, I yeah. saw a patch of concrete <laughs> lift up yeah. um or look like it had been like resealed over 
And I was saying mm. to my boyfriend on a walk, I was like, there's a pipe under there. He's like, I can't see it. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, <laughs> but lucky that you're in a kind of doing a lot of things with like bridges and things where you can actually see that and you don't have that problem. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think oh, one, of the, one of the other things was um, uh, when I was at high school, uh, I went to, I did like a, a service trip to the Solomon Islands. Um, mm, cool. And oh, we were there for like two weeks, um, just kind of like volunteering um, at a at a school, um, one of the kind of outlying islands. Um, mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I suppose I just kind of noticed, like that was the, that was the first time for me going overseas and going to like a developing country as well um, and seeing like, you know, the, just the disparity in terms of like infrastructure in New Zealand compared to infrastructure over there was just like miles apart. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably another thing that kind of drew me into civil was just like seeing that, you know, even just a new, a new road or a new small bridge or a new um, like a new small building um, could just help the, like the people there so mm. much. Um which I know, uh, like it's the same for many engineering d- disciplines, but like I suppose in my head at the time, that's what I yeah. kind of matched up. Yeah, absolutely. Because you yeah. kind of see a, a, the gap and you're like, oh, I can yeah. play a part in that gap. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, going through civil engineering at university and then you finished up and what were your like internships throughout and all that sort of stuff yep um so i yeah i had i had engineering um jobs every summer that i was <clears throat> that i was at uni um which mm-hmm. was pretty pretty lucky and I, I think i'm i was pretty privileged to be able to have those opportunities um and um so yeah, my first summer, so between intermediate year and um, uh, first pro, um, <clears throat> I worked on the Tauranga Eastern Link, um, which is like a, which is extremely close to, um, extremely close to home. Um, yeah. It was, it's basically a, a new expressway that went from Pangaroa um, in the kind of east of Tupuke um, to Tauranga. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of bypassed Pukki. Um, so it was, yeah, just down the road from my parents' house. So it was really useful for me. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Over summer, um, and then and uh, yeah, I was I was basically working as kind of, uh, kind of just got out and got involved with uh, multiple different teams. Um, sometimes helping engineers with um some of the stuff they were doing. Um, I ran a few calculations not that I really knew how to do anything at that point <laughs> um, and, um, and then other times I was like shoveling sand and um, placing concrete and stuff um, on like on some of their bridges and um, in roads and things I did a few like geotech tests um, some of the guys um, <clears throat> I remember getting a ute stuck trying to go up a go up a bank at one point so um, yeah yeah so there was uh yeah a few different a few different experiences um yeah. that was quite cool it was quite cool awesome and that's really cool like it's I think it's really cool to have like a bit of 
actual site work um, mm, mm. because, yeah, like it's, I don't know, getting out and about as an intern I think is always the fun part. Um, and sometimes not all yeah. the glamour that, yeah, almost sometimes or you sometimes get promised and, um, yeah, mm, mm. getting out and about was always a highlight for me as well. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it was good. Yeah. And then my, uh, my other two summers, I worked for um, a consultant in Tauranga called uh, Stratum Consultants. Um, mm-hmm. And they were, and that was more, that was more kind of professional work um, that was like office-based um, doing um, mainly, mainly geotech work, actually. Um, right. Kind of a combination of office, yeah, office-based geotech reports um and then also a lot of kind of going around going around the bay of Pliny, um helping the the technician um do site tests and um and that kind of thing um and then a little bit of structures work with some of the other guys in the team it was only a small office like maybe 10 people or so um yeah. so it was a bit of a change from the the massive construction site um but yeah it was good it was just a good kind of varied varied couple of summers really of work yeah yeah absolutely do you remember any like key learnings from those summers at all yep um i remember i remember the first the first summer was just like um like i remember getting um how to say it um just to kind of be open to like anything that people ask you to do yeah. <laughs> like absolutely. um like not get too hung up on um you know uh oh, oh, why am i you know i'm i'm here to study engineering uh why are they getting me on on, on the tools like shoveling and stuff um and but like it was just i think it was I think it was really important just to kind of get stuck in and um and do those random little jobs that they asked mm. um because it got it gave you a feel for um i know it certainly helped when i was actually doing engineering design um and kind of thinking about what was actually going on but it also uh, the big thing i found is, is it gave you a good sense of um like you know the, the people that actually build your designs um are those kind of those guys on the ground the construction workers and the the steel tires um and the, sh- the sand shovelers um and they're actually building your designs and it's quite important to understand how how they operate as well mm. um and yeah, it was, just, it was, yeah, it was, it was cool from that, from that sense, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think sometimes there's um, people who, yeah, don't have that side experience. There mm. are disconnects um, between that yeah. just because everyone goes on different pathways and some pathways don't go to the site. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it's, yeah, super valuable when, like you said, designing, um, being a design engineer. So that's really cool. Um, so, okay, so out of university, um, did you go, yeah, talk to me about that. Yep. So, yeah, um, so out of university, um, I actually, I got, I got my first grad job um, out of university in um, a somewhat interesting way. Um, I, I did an I did a exchange my first semester of my final year um to purdue university in the states um and so while i was over there kind of just 
I don't know, doing everything you do on an exchange, trying to um, experience the, the like university life over there and, um, and, you know, enjoying myself and, um, but still um, trying to um, finish my, <laughs> finish my degree. Um, yeah. I kind of uh, missed almost every um, grad application um, closing because <laughs> um, they all sort of closed in like, in like April, I think of, um, of that year for like the next yeah. year. Um, so early. Yeah. <laughs> so I sort of missed them all. Um, and then it got to kind of the end of my exchange and like, may and i was like oh i kind of need to figure something out next year <laughs> <laughs> um and so I was, I was lucky enough that uh one of my one of my friends from uh from uni um had oh, had gone to a, i think it was like i think it was a becker dinner um that they put on for kind of prospective grads in christchurch um and he'd sort of he like passed me on the information from that they got from that dinner um and so i hurriedly fired off a, an email to um uh the section manager in wellington um <laughs> yeah, bear in mind this was passed when all the grad applications were down <laughs> so i was sort of clutching at straws at this point <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah I was, I was lucky enough that um that uh yogesh kumar called me back um and we had a bit of a a bit of a phone interview um as I was driving through the middle of the Arizona desert um, on my way oh to the Grand goodness. Canyon. <laughs> I feel like um, that in itself deserves a job. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. Uh, um, I thought, yeah, I think I parked up at a McDonald's um, and used the free Wi-Fi um, to carry out this this call. Um, and, yeah, uh, I was, yeah, lucky, luckily enough at the end of that, um, he offered me a job for, um, for the following year at, Becca um and the structures team in Wellington um yeah which was which is cool uh and so yeah so the end of that year I moved to Wellington to join to join Becca awesome wicked and yeah. how was that so you were there for, with them for a couple of years yep yep so I was there for three and a half years um and I for probably two and a half of those years um I was working in the bridging team um which was a, a pretty lucky opportunity actually, because um, that was about the time that they were kind of in the construction stage of the Mackay's to Pika Pika um, mm. expressway. Um, so there, there was a lot of, so I did oh, about six months on site up there, uh, working in the um, working on the bridges mainly. Um, and then following on from that, uh, we did the design phase of the Pika Pika to Otaki section of um of that same expressway um yeah. the following year so it was quite good i got a like a mix of site work in my first year and then was able to jump into the design the second year um yeah. and work with some really good um some really good engineers um which definitely helped me a lot because i found uh i found when i started um i felt thoroughly unprepared <laughs> um i kind of had come out of uni and i don't not really sure um like i had my my grades were okay um and but yeah it was just it was just a, a, a i found it quite a big jump from uni to starting work yeah i totally agree with that yeah 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 so i suppose like what helped you in that um well i guess yeah there were, I, I was working with some really helpful um and 
intelligent engineers. Um, but I think what also helped was that the the guys I was directly working with um, were also quite young. Um, they were kind of like late late twenties, early thirties. Um, so they weren't too far removed from that transition from uni to to working life. Um, mm. And so uh, yeah, so they were able to kind of understand the <laughs> the predicament I was in um, and just took I guess yeah they just took a little extra time to um to help me out yeah um and were pretty patient with me actually looking yeah. back um yeah and I and I still count um a couple of those engineers as um yeah as good good friends and catch up with them sometimes when I'm when I'm able to yeah cool I that's awesome um I always like think you always get the short straw when you're say that you've finished like your education you've gone to university you've mm. got your degree you know like mm. you've done the education part and then you just need to work now whereas I feel as though the yeah. education is so much more when you get into working life um in terms yeah. of what you're actually yeah. learning <laughs> yeah yeah 100% I would echo that completely <laughs> <laughs> yeah um cool so within all of this uh you mm. took some time to study with Tiwananga or Aotearoa yeah when did that fit in yeah, so that so I started I, did, I started with them for two years um, over 2017 and 2018, um, and I guess. Uh, was that, that while you're working? Of, sorry. Sorry. Is that while you're yeah, working? Yeah, that was that was while I was working. Yeah, so that was yeah. taking. Um, yeah, it was like it was part time study, so it was usually one one to two classes, like night classes a week, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, every every month or so there was kind of a, a Saturday or a Sunday kind of uh, wānanga um, throughout the um, on one of those days mm-hmm. um, and I guess the, uh, um, probably the thing that led me to, um, to actually do some formal uh, reo study was um, the start of 2016 um my dad passed away with melanoma um and I think that was like a bit of a bit of an eye-opener uh for me um kind of going through the whole the whole tangihanga process Mm. and um following the all the tikanga associated with that um and I had I'd I sort of felt quite like I was an outsider in that world um even though I'd grown up um my dad um my dad being Māori and all his his family um Māori and um so it was it was a big big part of my life growing up but mm-hmm. um but even so not um not speaking real myself um it was yeah it was it was it, it was tough in some ways um being sure. on the marae, you know, your own, your own marae, um, but you can't understand what any of the speakers are saying about, you know, about, about your father. Um, and, and then obviously not being able to get up and speak myself. Um, and I, we were, we were lucky as a family that we have um, some real speakers and our kind of extended family. Um, and my sister is also fluent. Um, so they were, they were able to, to help um in that mm. respect but but yeah it was, it was sort of a just a I don't know it gave me a bit of a a nudge um to be like you know if 
you're going to have to now, you know, now that you're, your dad, the kind of patriarch of your family has passed away that, you know, there's a certain responsibility that you have to kind of step up and um, fill that, that void, I guess. Um, so I guess one of the ways to do that, I thought was um, to do some study of, of Te Reo and, and get a, a better grasp of it. Mm. Um, and Te Wananga or Aotearoa was, um, the well, it was the it was probably the easiest institution to get involved with, um, because it was free, <laughs> um, and there was, um, and they were well advertised, and there were spots kind of all around the country, um, so yeah, it was an easy easy one to get to get involved with, um, and that was yeah, and that was that was really good, um, the like, the, the tutors were great, um, the resources were great. Um, but also the the class, like the people in the class, were also really good. Um, they're all extremely keen to learn. Um, the classes were packed. Um, there's so many people wanting to learn. Um, mm. Maori and non-Maori. In fact, the majority of the class I was in were um, were non-Maori, um, which was pretty encouraging um, to see for me. Um, and it was yeah, I, I felt quite yeah, quite humbled that um, that you know so many Kiwis were we're keen to learn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. I think that, like, do you think that it kind of, um, as you've gone forth in that experience and do, has that lit like a bit of a fire in your belly? I don't know. I think a lot of the conversations I have with people who um, are, in that situation and a no fault of their own when they go to a tangihanga mm. to someone they love really dearly um because actually mm. yeah i don't want to take away from your experience at all um be, but mm. oh like and that happened like that's why i started learning te reo maori as well like it was my right. granddad we were on the tangihanga yeah. and i was like i have no idea like there's someone i love really yeah. dearly and yeah, it's kind of that deep-rooted whakama, that deep-rooted mamai, like mm. the sadness is mm. there. Um, and, yeah, it's just really awful. <laughs> like, yeah. so good on yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was quite quite confronting um, and at that at that time. Like, and it's, you know, I suppose it's just kind of adding adding salt to the wound, I guess. You know, you've lost your, you know, lost, lost your your loved one, um, in my case, my father. And then, and then also, yeah, being confronted by this fact that like, wow, this, yeah, this, you know, I consider myself to be, you know, to be very, very proud of being Māori. Um, mm. But yeah, but at the same time, like you said, um, feeling whakamā for, for not, um, you know, probably not for having given it enough, enough time. Um, yeah, that's why. That's why it's good to be good to be young, and there's plenty of um plenty of time to to rectify that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you see that coming? Um, I I like we'll we'll, we'll chat about where you're at the, um very soon, um currently yep. in life. But do you see that intertwining with engineering at any point? Um, yeah, in in the future. Yep. <clears throat> um. Yeah, so, well, I guess 
it's a, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one because I guess as uh, as a structural engineer, I mean, you're mm. especially as a grad um, when you're kind of like like a lot of your job is crunching numbers and um, working on technical designs and stuff. Um, and in that sense, um, you know, it's like it's science. There's no um, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's pretty hard to to incorporate. Um, Tadell or um, Te Ao Māori into, into, you know, the real nuts and bolts of designing a structure, um, excuse the pun. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but like, I remember towards the end of my three and a half years at Becker in Wellington, um, the, there was a big, I felt, I felt there was a big kind of corporate shift um, towards um, trying to incorporate Maori into maybe not into your um, your um, technical designs in terms of a structure, but um, in terms of kind of the way that things were done um, mm. in the in the office, like um, you know, it started with simple things, uh, just kind of labeling um, labeling items around the office with um, with the real words and uh, kind of a big push um, during. Te Wiki or Te Reo Māori um, and organising events around that. Um, uh, getting, um, getting Te Reo classes into the office. Um, there were a few of those things going on. Um, and I was, um, well, I was, I was privileged, but then I guess yeah, it's also a, a um, goes back to the fact that there aren't many Māori in the industry. Um, mm. Um, in general, uh, was that kind of whenever, whenever there was, uh, uh, for example, they needed kind of some um, some input for a bid um, in terms of how how we were going to incorporate um, Te Ao Māori into into this particular bid. Um, I think it was for uh, the Marae grounds somewhere in Wellington, um, and so they sort of came to me and 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 asked um, um, asked for a, a couple of sentences. Um, which was, you know, it was, it was a privilege for me um, that they thought, you know, I'd be able to provide some um, something meaningful there. But but then also at the same time, I was like, well, you know, I have, I'm this, I'm sure there's better people out there um, that would have a lot more understanding and knowledge of this stuff. Um, mm. It's just a shame that they're not um, they're not in the the well the engineering industry enough. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I've kind of gone off on a tangent there, I think. Um, <laughs> no, no, that, that was awesome. That very, very um, valid point and almost like a, yeah, sorry you had to go through that. And I think that happens a lot. I think even just little things with Matariki coming up, um, mm. trying not to ask the few Māori people within your office mm. to give a presentation mm. sort of a thing because I think that assumption mm. that um especially if you're kind of still stepping in or uh, mm. when you're on that journey of understanding te, uh, te reo Māori and how to incorporate mm. te ao Māori into what you're doing and you don't know the corridor around a lot of like areas and things like that when that's mm. the case uh, it's that makes it quite hard and that confronting feeling comes up again I imagine yeah yeah for sure um I guess in, in saying that though it's like 
it's a, it's a fine balance because um because i guess even though i did like when i was sort of asked you know for input on a bid or to help someone mm. with a um to add some real into a, a, a mihi they were doing um or uh or giving um, a matariki presentation which i also yeah. have to do um <laughs> it was like a little bit confronting to start with because i felt mm -hmm. like it wasn't my place really um but at the same time it kind of did force me to to learn um enough mm. that i could do it justice um especially with the the matariki presentation um mm. it kind of you know asked asked for help from uh, a couple of cousins um a couple of guys i played rugby with um yeah. and you know and they and they were more than willing to to share their knowledge and give me resources um and and then i was yeah able to uh, give give a presentation to the office and um and felt like i did it justice and it was enjoyable because you know i was able to learn a lot myself through that process um yeah so yeah it's a it's a real but yeah you're right it's a, it's a real fine balance between um kind of promoting um promoting Māori in the in the industry mm. to do these sorts of things but then also yeah not just assuming that because you're Māori you can yeah you know you can help someone with pronunciation or do a presentation um it's a it's a real yeah it's a real fine balance yeah yeah absolutely yeah no that that's I think really important corridor to have um because even mm. though yeah you're right I probably came that at that a bit hot <laughs> just um <laughs> no, you're but, right. uh, but um yeah 100% agree with that because I we talked about it when we caught up um earlier about mm. the Matariki thing or not thing the Matariki presentations um and giving that mm. and yeah I was also given one or asked to give one and that was actually how I learned a couple of years ago <laughs> so yeah. um yeah. yeah we're we're all learning yeah 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 for sure um cool so you're Mahi now, what is mm. that and probably like most importantly, where is that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I after my um few years in Wellington, um I was lucky enough to get um uh kind of shoulder taps by um uh by a rugby coach in Hong Kong um <laughs> to to um see if I wanted to go over there and um and play in the the Hong Kong um premiership. Um, one of the clubs over there, which was cool because um, I've played rugby all my life and so I was pretty keen to, to keep playing um, and the opportunity to travel overseas to, to do that was um, was also really cool. Um, but uh, part of that was that uh, I needed to find a, a, a real job as well <laughs> while I was over there. So uh, some of my colleagues at Becker in Wellington uh, teed me up with uh, a company called Bureau Hapold um who are kind of a, a uk originally a uk um company but they've since kind of spread all over the all over the world um and they have an office in hong kong um so yeah i was lucky enough that they they gave me a job um in their hong kong office um so in yeah at the end of 2019 i jumped on a plane and um jumped off in hong kong um to play rugby for the Hong Kong Football Club and uh, work uh, for Bureau Hapold. Um, and yeah, the I guess the first thing I'd say about my mahi with them uh, is just it was 
yeah, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd come from working basically exclusively in, in New Zealand and um, with New Zealanders largely um, to working in an office of expats from all around the world um, and then um, probably about 50% um, local Hong Kong Chinese as well. Uh, so that was, yeah, it was, it was, a, <laughs> it was jumping into a completely new working situation um, and trying to, trying to find my feet on uh, projects in Hong Kong and China and the Middle East, um, as well as trying to navigate uh, the, yeah, the, the culture and the, um, the inevitable language barrier um, that arises uh, was Oh, it's, uh, you know, it was one of those kind of sink or swim moments. Um, yeah. And I probably, I probably sank for a lot of it, <laughs> um, but, uh, but they were persistent with me. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm still there. I'm still there at the moment. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. What would you like, do you have any advice for someone in the same, um, kind of thought process wanting to head overseas now that the borders are actually mm. open um, and that may just be on people's minds at the moment. Yep. Yep. Um, so my, I mean, my overall experience was thoroughly positive. Um, and I think, I think it, it, it's really, it's really good for giving. Um, I mean, I'm, this is, I'm saying this from my own experience. Um, yeah, you know, people may sure. have different experiences, obviously. Um, but I found it gave me a good uh, and you, uh, just a different perspective I guess mm. on on the world on um, working in engineering um, and yeah I think it's kind of yeah broadened my horizons quite a lot um, going over there and and um, being exposed to to lots of different projects and different people um, different ways of working um, but I guess I would also say uh, you know don't uh don't just do it because that you know it's kind of the thing to do um when you're in your late 20s and, and you're a kiwi um you know everyone sort of seems to be going um to want to go off on an oe um but it's not for everyone and like if you don't have you know if you if you don't have a, a, a good reason for going and your only reason is because everyone else is doing it then you know i'd probably i'd, pr I'd probably just um kind of sit down and think about think about why um mm. and i guess that why for me was um just i got this this cool opportunity um to go overseas and, and play rugby and i had a, a great career um opportunity as well um so it all just sort of fitted um yeah. for me um, awesome yeah and what are some of the projects that you've been working on you kind of alluded to that there's lots of different projects and people that you work with what are the different mm. projects that you're on that you've been on yep um yeah, so I was um, when I when I my very first project um, was a, a concept design of a, um, a Zaha Hadid designed um, bridge in Chengdu, um, which is the capital of the Sichuan province in the west of China. Um, which was which was which was yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, Zaha Hadid being you know a preeminent architect around the world. Um, and they designed this pretty fantastical steel um, steel arch bridge, um, and we our office was kind of we would yeah we were doing basically the kind of between concept and um, 
yeah, kind of a little bit further along from concept design. Um, and yeah, we had sort of, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was very interesting, A, because we were trying to, we were trying to utilize a whole lot of new kind of software and um, kind of utilizing um, kind of some of the coding capability that some of the engineers in our office had um, to, to, I don't know, make workflows more efficient and design the, design the thing a bit quicker. Um, but at the same time, um, the way it works in China for a lot for outside, you know, um, international consultants is that you are kind of used at the initial stages um, to, yeah, do a bit of the design, the early design. Um, but then like all the detailed design has to be done by a local um, design institute. Um, right. And so, so all our all the stuff that we came up with um, had to then be translated into Mandarin um, and then sent to the local the local team. Um, and as well as that, we had to um, we had to kind of brief our uh, Mandarin speaker who was in uh, Beijing um, who had previously not really worked on the project. Um, so we had to kind of give him all this information, and then he had to tell it to the tell it to the local people in um in Chengdu. Um so it was yeah, it was kind of a you kind of hoped that what you what you wrote in English um ended up being told to them in um in Chinese. Um yeah. but yeah, there's sort of there's a lot of a lot of trust involved. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, I mean it was yeah, it was it was real. It was very interesting the whole the whole process. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Some of the other things I worked on um I was on a, a water park in Hong Kong um, that they were that they were building. Um, a whole lot of water slides and some big buildings with uh, like wave pools and stuff in it, um, which was quite cool. That was kind of towards the the end of that project. Um, so, what was did uh, you was it the towers and stuff of the hydrosides or? Yeah, so we yeah so we basically we did all the well we did the structural design of the the buildings as well that housed the swimming pools um and then also the yeah also the structure that held up the the water slides yeah. um outdoors um and that yeah that park finally opened uh halfway through last year um oh. i haven't been yet um but i would like to go <laughs> what's it called if someone had an urge to google it if, if you uh, it's called yeah it's called ocean park oh it's yep. easy to remember. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So you can look it up. Cool. Um, yep. And then uh, I worked on a I worked on an art sculpture that is sitting outside one of the museums um, in Hong Kong. Um, and then some other some other things with our um, Dubai and UK offices as well. Um, yeah, awesome. So it's been good. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. That's like a cool mm. mix as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's the best part of, part about it, I guess, is being able to work on stuff all all around the world. Yeah, would you say that it's um your yeah skills that you learned in New Zealand as an engineer are easily transferable overseas as well? Like, it sounds like the processes are still the same in terms of the concept phase and the design phase and that sort of thing as well. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, and and yeah, I think I think Kiwi engineers are pretty well regarded around the world. Um, mm -hmm. Um, we, I mean, we have we have really good seismic engineering in New Zealand. Um, obviously, 
um, um, yeah, so a lot of those, yeah, a lot of a lot of your fundamental skills are the same. Um, you kind of just need to adapt them to whatever environment you're in, whatever codes you're using. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's, awesome. yeah, it's definitely definitely easy enough. And I'm you know I'm by no means the first one to to go from New Zealand overseas. There's you know from thousands of um, engineers that that go and they go and do that. So that's that's one of the cool things about engineering. It's, it's very transferable yeah. all around the world. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. All righty. Um, that's really cool. That's it's. I really like my job at the moment. Otherwise, I would be looking for jobs overseas. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Sounds like an awesome experience. So final question um, to yep. finish us off. Just realized the time, yep. didn't realize that we've been chatting for this long, which is always a good yep. sign, I suppose. Um, yeah. What would you love to see um, in the industry moving forward? Yep. Um, I guess um, one, thing for, well, one thing for me that I've definitely realized <clears throat> in Hong Kong um, is just how much, um, especially structural engineering, is becoming a commodity um and i think it's i think it's a lot of people would probably agree with me in saying it's kind of heading that way in new zealand as well um and that uh clients just look for look for whatever consultant's going to give the lowest fees um and they'll just pick them basically even if they don't kind of advertise that they do <laughs> um and i think that causes a couple of things one being it's kind of a a race to the bottom in terms of fees for engineering consultants, um, which is no good for any business. Um, um, <clears throat> and then I guess the flow-on effect of that is that, um, you know, there's not enough, not enough money being made to, to pay the engineers that do the work and the, consequently the salaries um, go down. Um, and that's, that's really noticeable in Hong Kong. Um, engineers, well, in my opinion, um, don't get paid um, anywhere near what they should for the work that they do. Um, and I think that's probably similar in New Zealand. Um, and I guess that probably also turns off some of, you know, some of the most intelligent people coming out of, um, coming out of school and university from going into the career. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think engineering as an industry and especially in New Zealand um, just probably needs to do a better job of, of, of marketing the good things that, that we do. Um, and so clients can understand that, you know, there is a lot of value to be had and getting good engineers um, because that would, I think that would go a long way to, to helping alleviate some of those problems um, that I, that I just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's a really um, uh, important perspective to be looking at it from as well. Mm, yeah. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Ah, oh, cool. Um, beautiful. All right. Well, I'm all questioned out. Uh, yep. Do you have any questions for me? Um, any questions for you? Uh, I think. Um, yeah. What What would you What would you like to see from um, from the from the industry um, to promote kind of more Māori into the industry um you know you're doing 
you know, with your podcast, you're, I think you're doing a really good job of, um, of doing that yourself. Um, yeah. Are there, is there any other, any other initiatives um, that you can think of? Yeah, absolutely. Um, great question. Um, I, yeah, what well, I would like to see to get more Māori into engineering, um, like there's lots of different stages to it. And I know I've, I've talked to a lot of people who have said similar stuff in terms of exposure. Mm. Like you've said, even said yourself, like mm. more exposure of what engineering actually means to say high school, um, even university. So rangatahi Māori um into engineering mm. so exposure in that sense and that's a part of why this podcast has came to be and I actually mm. see I don't know whether it's because I follow all the like engineering New Zealand pages and different pages that mm. um really signify engineering or um signal engineering uh as a degree and a discipline um but it feels like we're kind of yeah on that journey of either incorporating te reo Māori into the engineering spoke mm. um and that is something that I would have really loved to see is that Rangatahi Māori um, mm. choosing whether to go into engineering or not in terms yeah. of industry yeah. um, pathways. I um, definitely think there, it feels like it's on the way. Um, the Where I work, it's really enlightening to have a lot of hui start and end with karakia, even basic as mm. that. I think it's a really cool way to um, show that there's value of Māori within what we're doing and it's not something we have to yeah. leave at the door um, yeah. I think anything that means that Māori don't have to leave themselves at the door um, of yeah. who they yeah. are as Māori um, yeah. is a good thing so if any initiative comes up and that's kind of a, a byproduct from that, the byproduct being mm. um, yeah that person doesn't need to leave themselves at the door um then i think yeah. we're on a good good way forward um yeah i yeah yeah that's my answer to that <laughs> how about you what cool. do you think cool. um well one thing i just thought of while you were speaking then um was um i think like a, a well a bit of a a bit of a kind of campaign towards um learning about some of the you know some of the the scientific and technical um minds of our our tupuna i think would mm. be um would be really cool um because you know i think we and you know as Māori ourselves kind of tend to forget that you know we managed to navigate our way across the across the pacific ocean um and and find islands and build waka and you know all that kind of thing and like that's something that you know i never really heard about um when mm. i was when i was a kid um and i think yeah as a as a young maori kid hearing that um i think you'd be pretty like yeah pretty encouraged um to follow in those um follow in those footsteps um i think that would be really cool a cool thing to see um in in schools around around the country um Hi, absolutely yeah even mm. how um par were made and the structures yeah. behind um, behind that is to withstand what yeah. they withstood is yeah. mind-boggling. Um, there was mm. no, there was no sokotoa of the the triangle was the strongest shape sort of thing. They realised that mm. without needing a pen and paper to write yeah. that down on. So, yeah, yeah. totally, totally 
back that and support that. And yeah, it's actually really cool when you Google it. Um, stuff does come up. I should actually post. I um, I might actually yeah link a article that I read, like a journal article that says exactly that, yeah. and it talks about how um, yeah, Maori how they navigated the um, yeah. the fluid dynamics within that. They knew that the waka um, created these eddies that allowed them to go faster, and that's how they yeah how we yeah, ended no, up here. Really, yeah, 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 cool. All right, I shall note that down. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yep. Send that oh, through. Cool. Beautiful. All righty. Cool. Cool question. Um, do you have any other questions before we finish off? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, no, stay tuned for um, for for the episodes and um, yeah. from you. Appreciate that. All righty. Beautiful. All right. I'll close with Karakia. Mia no tawa, keta, keta to katoa. Amen.